Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest this week is Sean Ashley, who is one of the recappers at Cubs Den. Actually, when I first started, he was one of the recappers, and he stepped away for a little while, but now he's back helping out and doing recaps again on Cubs Den. And um, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about Jeng Ho Seng. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, the Cubs' recent struggles with the Brewers. Uh, actually, we were recording this while the Cubs were beating up on the Mets Wednesday night, so um, we kind of talk about a little bit about that game, but didn't give the final details. Then we moved on to talk about the 80s and 90s Cubs and Sammy Sosa and whether or not he should re, you know, be re-welcomed into the Cubs' fold. I'm for that, by the way. Anyway, it was a good conversation, and um, here is our my talk with Sean Ashley, who at Twitter is at Sam Patchley. So here is Sean. Cubs had a rough series against the Brewers, and they did win the last game Tuesday night when we were recording this yeah. on a Wednesday. But what do you think the state of the Cubs is right now? Um. I, I wish I could say that uh, they're they're looking great, but I think um, there's a little bit of an identity crisis going on um, in terms of who who's going to be the the guy to step up in the rotation to uh, to uh, make sure that they get a big win when they need it. Um, what as of as of right now, we're you know in. Uh, we've seen Lester pitch three innings. Uh, this Wednesday night game is going to last seven hours at this pace, I think. But um, you'd, you'd like for Lester to, to to pick it up. Maybe Jose Quintana last night was a a a, a good sign. But uh, man, they they have to solve they have to solve the, uh, the pitching issues that they've had. Need to score some runs. It's, uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it has been of late. The offense was going so well for a long time, and then it just like dried up. And yeah. well, it's a- it, it you know baseball's such a streaky game, and and uh, certainly the Cubs hitters aren't immune to that. Um, it seems like the whole season. Um, I've been kind of waiting for both Rizzo and Bryant to get hot at the same time, and it just seems like uh, uh, all except for one of the last weeks where they both kind of picked it up. Again, it looks like it'll be Bryant will be hot for a week and a half, and then Rizzo will be hot for a week and a half, but never at the same time. Yeah, actually, that leads me to something I was going to talk about next. Because I just wrote an article for Cubs Insider about um, Chris Bryant and his so-called clutch or clutch problem, I guess I'll say, that people say he's not clutching big games. And I have a lot of problems with the whole idea of clutch and clutch hitting, but a lot of people are concerned about, you know, Bryant doesn't get the hits in the big spot. And I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Well, you know, the the one thing uh, he does seem to be doing is he does seem to be 
picking his moments, uh, at least in terms of um, seems to be taking more walks uh, in in those situations, and and I guess that that's all right because you have Rizzo behind him and and he's been uh, Rizzo's been pretty solid uh, picking up RBIs this year, but at the same time you want you want for Bryant to to be the aggressive guy. Um, you don't want him necessarily to uh, to uh, to be too laid back, I guess. Um, I don't know. Um, I think I think like everything else, there's kind of an ebb and flow to, to that that kind of thing. And uh, while this year he seems to be pretty inconsistent in those so-called clutch moments, um, you know. I, I I think it's it's uh, inaccurate or disingenuous to to say that he's not a clutch player. Yeah, and I was doing kind of a thought experiment in my article too. Is if you think about Game Seven of the World Series, he flew out to Chris Bryant flew out to the warning track in the tenth inning, and it's like if that ball goes three more feet. Would anyone ever call Chris Bryant unclutch ever again? <laughs> no, probably not. Or the fact that, uh, you know, when some other guys weren't hitting, uh, you know, in the NLCS, it seemed like uh, Bryant uh, had some pretty pretty big moments. And even and even in the, the uh, uh, what was it, game, game five, game five, mm-hmm. game six, he hit home runs to, um, you know, get the Cubs on the board. Um so, yeah, the, no, he's got a long way to go as a player too. Oh yeah, he's what twenty four, um, yeah, something like that. So you know, when I was twenty four, I think I was starting college for like the third time. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's not a, he's not yet in his prime, and uh, you know we've got a lot of time to enjoy him. Yeah, well, it's kind of fascinating too because. I looked into the Fangraphs um, clutch stats, and you know, just to look at like you know, they it's determined by um, you're like in high leverage situations what your like offensive numbers are, uh-huh. and and I looked at the um, the leaderboard, and the most clutch player in Major League Baseball this year was Melky Cabrera, <laughs> and it's like really okay. Number two was Albert Pujols, so. Uh-huh. But well, then I not, looked at, yeah. Not to disparage those guys, but Melky Cabrera is not a guy that you're going to build your your roster around, and Albert Pujols is no longer that guy. So. Yeah, and then I looked at the bottom five, the least clutch hitters in 2017, and the list was Paul Goldschmidt, Giancarlo Stanton, Jose Ramirez, Chris Bryant, and Aaron Judge. That's your bottom five. And it's like, really? That's that's a pretty good bottom of the list, I'm thinking. Yeah, none, none of those guys that you would want on your team at all. Exactly. But I guess some people believe in that clutch stuff, so anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll move on to... It, it, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it all just goes in cycles, I think. I mean... Like I said, ebbs and flows. The the game seems like the only thing that's consistent is that it's that's ever changing, and uh, 
you know, one thing that I've grown to appreciate is the the whole idea that what happens today, you leave it behind, and tomorrow's a whole night, a whole other day. So. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to this. All right, no, yes, um, Kyle Schwarber might be showing signs of life. You think he's going to have a hot streak? Yet? Maybe. Uh, you know, hoping so. You know, and but but I think it's it's more about um, you know since since the he got called up, you know, sent down and then called up. He's he's been fairly consistent since then. Uh, I. I, I haven't checked the, uh, the stats, you know, super closely, but I want to say that he's, he's batting around 250. The on-base percentage has been higher. Certainly he's, he's still, you know, mashing a few home runs every once in a while. Um, you know, I, I think it's just about consistent, you know, building consistency. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. It's it's somewhat first somewhat frustrating as a fan to to see him kind of in and out of the lineup. It makes it more difficult to build that consistency. Yeah, they have kind of been moving him in and out. And like, you know, Joe yeah. Madden said he was playing the matchups against the Brewers, so he didn't play him three games against right-handed starters. But it seemed like maybe they were kind of resting him or something. It didn't seem like it was just matchups. I was really encouraged by uh, Tuesday night's game um, where, what, he was three for three, drew a walk, hit the home run, but three hits were against lefties and um, and on breaking balls. So, you know, he was waiting back on it, which is which is uh, nice to see. Um, you know, he's he can get as hot as anybody. And the beauty is that if they make it to the playoffs, anything can happen. That's right. Yeah, he can get on a get on the hot streak then and like he is due i mean the power numbers have been yeah. there but it's like the average hasn't been yeah well it you know the thing that i was kind of surprised at is you know and, and a lot of it's just based on you know the number of home runs and i i don't know what his like ratio is for you know home runs per bat but but it's been like i think if i'm my math is right last i looked i think it was once every 15 at bats for the home runs so that's pretty good. So anyway, uh, moving on. Tomorrow, um, Jeng Ho Seng is going to make his major league debut against the Mets, and I'm kind of excited about it. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, it's um, you know uh, he, he's a he's a player that we've all read about since uh, oh since we all found the Cubs den and. You know, John was writing about him and saying nice things about him. So he's a guy that that early on, what is it, about three years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, seemed to be like a, a a can't miss, you know, middle of the rotation type of guy. And he he's one of those guys that uh, John seemed to have so much. Uh, I don't I don't know if confidence in, but he seemed to to really. Um, seemed to really appreciate the way he was able to locate his basketball even though it's not overpowering it seemed like uh you know he always had good control and you know i, I think one of the things about john is um he always kind of appreciated the beauty and in, in uh in that kind of style even though even though we all look for the uh, the overpowering fastball and the big arm John had a way of writing about uh, about prospects, like saying that that made you want to follow him, and um, 
I don't know. Uh, it, it's to, to, to hear that he's making his major league debut tomorrow just kind of takes me back to to when I think it was probably Kane County that uh, he was he was making starts for, and that that John was was going to games and and uh, keeping us abreast of what he was doing. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing to, to to think about. Yeah, and I also think it's partially a response to the struggles of Justin Wilson, that they were hoping if Wilson was good that they could move, um, you know, they could move Montgomery to the rotation to fill in, and it would work. But now that Wilson has been so bad, they've had to move Montgomery back to the bullpen, so this Gibbs yeah. saying a shot, so. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Wilson, man, talk about a guy you want to get going or, you know, you'd like for him to get going because he could be such a weapon for this team in the playoffs. But I don't know if it's if it's just completely mental at this point or, or what. Yeah, it's just like he's he had such a good like it went on the Tigers. He never really walked that many people. And it's like now he's just walking the ballpark and it's very odd. Yeah, well, and you know he even had a he had a, even had a decent stretch uh, with the Cubs here um, for a week or so, and then and then uh, the last few times out, it's it seems to be back to back to walking guys or just missing spots or whatever, just kind of frustrating. Yeah, kind of like the whole team, I guess, but. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things that uh, you know we, we got really spoiled last year um, because everything went so perfectly. It seemed um, when you when you think about how few injuries we had to the starting rotation last year, and you know the seasons that Bryant and Rizzo, and then even even Addison Russell. Um, you know, I think he had like 21 homers and like close, you know, over 90 RBIs. You know, it's it's. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of luck involved, um, and as a you know a Cubs fan for for well over 30 years at this point, it's uh, you know you would think that we would appreciate being in the, in the pennant race uh, or in the division race, um, you know, considering that we still have all those inconsistencies and injuries, um, but to, we were spoiled last year. Yeah, it's kind of a funny thing too, like. If you think about it, how many years with Cubs fans were up two games in September? Like September 13th? <laughs> People would go nuts if yeah. they were up two games. Yeah, that doesn't happen a whole lot in uh, in my experience. So, um, you know, one of my worst fears about the Cubs winning the World Series is that Cubs fans would turn into Red Sox fans. And, uh, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet. But, uh, you know, there is that kind of danger of expectation now. Uh, that uh, there is a kind of a nasty side to it. Yeah, exactly. So actually, that brings me to something I like to ask people. Um, how did you sure. be, become a Cubs fan? Um, I was a baseball junkie as a kid. Um, I, I grew up um, within 45 minutes of uh, Kansas City. And so I, I was a Royals fan um, for the first few years of my life. And uh um, so I, some of my earliest memories are like of early 1980s Royals baseball. I'd certainly remember them winning the series in 85. And then, 
in winter of 85, 86, we got cable. And uh, back then, uh, this, is, this is kind of a long story, to, but, but as a kid, um, if I wasn't, you know, watching baseball, I was out in the backyard, you know, playing with friends or if nothing else, you know, tossing the ball up and hitting it. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that just could not get enough, um, of the game. And, uh, when we got cable, um, it was, it was kind of twofold. One is the Royals used to, uh, have used to black out home baseball games in Kansas city. And so the, the TV station that carried the games, WF, which at that time was NBC, um, they only played uh, road games. Um, and uh, the Royals were in the old AL West, so the road games would be, you know, in Seattle or in Anaheim. And, you know, uh, as a kid, it was harder to stay up and watch. Um, and then the second thing was cable, WGN. Um, I could I could be coming home after school and there would be a 305 game start or um, or just in the summer you could watch during the day and then you'd have like the the whole evening and the Cubs were in the NL East so even most of the road games were you know against the Mets or or you know whoever on the East Coast so um, I was a baseball junkie and uh, from about 1986 on I was raised by. Harry Carey, Steve Stone, mm-hmm. Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace, Sean Dunstan, Andre Dawson, you know, all those guys. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, my all-time favorite player was Sean Dunstan. Uh, just loved watching him play short, even though he had, you know, many shortcomings, and you knew that he was going to swing at every breaking ball in the dirt. Um, you know, just, just loved the energy and excitement he brought to the game. And, uh, you know, I... I as a, as, a, as a baseball junkie, as a kid, just could not get enough of it. And, uh, you know, it stuck. WGN brought me in. Yeah, and if you think about it, now that you're, you know, describing me, it's kind of like, not maybe as exciting as Javi Baez, but he's kind of like Javi Baez before Javi Baez, if you think about it. Yeah. Javi, Javi I think, is, and I hate to say this, has has a lot more talent, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they they both had the affinity for the great play. Dunstan had the arm, um, the the arm that that made Mark Grace a Gold Glove first baseman, I think, mm-hmm. um, where you could see him throwing it, you know, about ninety miles an hour over from shortstop. But you know, he would he would make the play, he'd make a he'd make a play in the hole and, and do the jump throw. And um, you know, one of my favorite all time plays is still from nineteen eighty nine uh, to end the game against the Mets. Um, uh, Dunstan, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the Mets. Uh, Dunstan made a play uh, back to the infield, going out into into left field, over the shoulder grab, and then turns around and fires it to first to to double off the runner to end the game. Uh, the the eighty the nine season as a, as the kid watching that team come together and win was was just uh, you know it was a. a a pretty cool experience and he's part of that and so you know so the the other guys that I mentioned Greg Maddox Rick Sutcliffe those guys yeah that then that was like I'm a little bit younger than you so I am um, yeah so my first one was 98 when they first made the playoffs 
So uh-huh. I was around in 89, but I was like four. So I don't really remember <laughs> yeah. the, the details. Yeah. But I was thinking about that because they had the, it went around the internet uh, the other day, the clip of Sammy Sosa after September 11th running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. And I was thinking, yeah. isn't it time that the Cubs management and stuff forgave Sammy Sosa and just had him come to Wrigley Field? Oh man, you know, I I think I, I think it'll happen at some point, um, I, I, and I really think it has to. I mean, um, you know, the the one thing that can heal wounds is time and all that. Um, you know. It's tough, um, you know, because what was the 04 season, 04, 05? Was, I think it was 04. Well, he might okay, have stayed yeah, in 05. 04. Yeah. There, there were so many things that happened, so much negativity surrounding, I know, the 04 team um, that had real issues with the, the guys in the booth. And then and then you had Sosa, I know that uh, – you know, he was injured, he was really struggling, um, kind of, you know, what we were always kind of told was that he was, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't accept to go, you know, going down in the lineup to like sixth or whatever. Um, they had the corked bat and then, um, you know, he hasn't really helped himself of late, you know, still saying things like he put, he put the Cubs on the map. Um, you know, he he was so good for so long. Um, you know, the steroid question is always going to to kind of haunt that legacy, um, and and just the the struggles or the the way the way the things went down towards the end were just I, I don't know. I I think at some point it'll happen, but there needs to be um, there needs to be a little reconciliation on both sides. I think. Yeah, and I think that's a fair. Yeah, fair. Both sides have to, and like it's one of those things where like the way he left was bad, but then like yeah. he gave a lot of excitement to a lot of fans for oh, many yeah. years. So it's like absolutely, and you know, um, I, I I will tell you this that uh, I, I've I've been at times more than a casual fan of the NHL. Um. But the fact that we've had work stoppages in the NHL, uh, one for a whole season, one for the majority of the season in the last 10 years or so, has really soured me on that league. Um, you know, we had a work stoppage in Major League Baseball that that I know that it similarly affected people and their, and their desire to watch Major League Baseball. Certainly, I was one of those people that ate up that 1998 season, and uh, you know the uh, the home run chase and how much excitement that brought, you know, to baseball. And yeah, it's you know as as a as somebody who appreciates the history of the game, it's 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 hard for me to to justify use of PEDs and everything at the mm-hmm. same time. I don't know that you can you can condemn one player for something that was so rampant in the league. Um, but that 98 season was pretty magical, too. Yeah, that's what I was saying, too. If maybe one person that didn't get excited when Sammy Sosa would run out in the right field at the start of games. I mean, 
As I said, anyone who says now that they didn't get excited by that, I don't think they're being honest. I think they're going, they're looking through hindsight now. Because that was exciting yeah. at the time. Well, you know, even tonight watching the ball game today was the, uh, what, the, the anniversary of Sosa hitting 61 and 62. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I can remember watching those games and, and hearing the, you know, hearing the call and, you know, just being completely jazzed. And, um, you know, it seems like the, that was, that was a really big game as well. Um, maybe against the Brewers or something, you know, down the, down the stretch run. And, uh, you know, it was hard to get caught up in all of that. I, I remember thinking, uh, what, because McGuire hit 70 home runs to, to end the season, and then the Cubs had the one game playoff with the Giants, and Sosa was on 66, and how badly I wanted him to, to get four at-bats and hit four dingers to tie him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely got caught up with all that. Yeah, well, and I guess that's a good spot to end our our thing on. But yeah, I think I I agree with you. I think Sosa will get eventually welcome back. But um, thanks for coming on my podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new show next week.